Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader, and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult, and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Frederick Joy. Frederick is the co-founder and chief growth officer of Arcanus, and I am really pumped to get to know him and for our listeners to get to know him too. So, Fred, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Juno. Uh, thanks for having me. Now, you are a, uh, a man who, with interesting, diverse cultures working for you, but also your story, where you're located right now as we speak, and also uh, where you're from, uh, has a lot of diversity. So um, tell us a little bit about who you are, for listeners who might not know you, a bit about your company, and uh, and what a day in the life of Fred looks like as of uh, February 2022. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, sure. So um, I'm, I'm Fred Joy. I'm the co-founder of, uh, of Arcanist. Uh, so it's a software development outsourcing company. Uh, that I've co-founded in 2010. Um, I'm Swiss, uh, originally Swiss. I've worked for for in the banking and insurance industries for for many many years uh, before actually switching to I would say entrepreneurship when I when I joined my my longtime friend Alan in Hong Kong for um, a, a first e-commerce business that actually then brought us to the to the philippines in 2009 and this is where we actually started to work uh, on on arcanis uh since then and uh yeah so today we 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 have uh, about 300 employees um that are primarily working in the philippines and we service companies in, in australia and new zealand um and europe primarily brilliant that's uh that's excellent and uh Let's find out a bit about your story. So if you go back to, you know, even as far back to childhood as, as you want. Sure. Um, what are some of the moments as you look back that really shaped you becoming Fred, the leader you are today? Um, well, uh, it's, uh, I think first what, what, I, what I would say is that I've always really uh, liked being around people and I always remember that, uh, when I was I was younger, I wanted to um, to be the guy that would bring people together and and strike deals. And um, it just occurred to me, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago, that what I was thinking when I was a when I was a kid of what I wanted to do um, is actually what I'm currently doing. So um, yeah, and so yeah, that's first thought when I was younger shaped. Um, uh, who I am today, um, without really realizing it for many, many years, actually. That's so, that's um, so yeah. interesting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, but I realized that a lot of people, actually, when I asked them how, the same question as you asked me uh, uh, just now, mm. tell me kind of the same thing where they always envision themselves in something similar to what they they are doing um, at the moment, 
And mm. I believe that uh, these very maybe profound thoughts when you're young really shape your life um, yeah. as, as it goes uh, even unconsciously. Yeah, that's I, I really like that because I know for myself, I, I remember always, uh, you know, people ask me about clarity and I'm sure it's the same for you with Arcanus. You know, people, people say, so is it, you know, it must be really hard running your own business, being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And, I, and I always say, well, it's like there's no alternative. It's just who I am, like what, what, I, what I do. I feel like it's so closely intertwined with who I am and what I, what I love that it's yeah. there's, there's not been any real alternative to starting Clarity. It was just what I had to do. And uh, if it's hard along the way, then that's just because that's what it takes. Uh, and it's sort of, it's very... Yeah, it's very it's very caught up in in how I'm wired. I just feel like I'm what I'm doing is almost an extension of who I am. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, hundred um, percent. So I wouldn't say I was. Uh, uh, so there's there's the part of the leadership and there's the part of the entrepreneurship in what we are doing. And um, I always thought I would I would um, I would become a, a leader. I was I was drawn to to that into not into managing people but more like into driving or giving direction to what i thought was my mission and that was actually the first thing that um happened to me when i actually failed my law studies uh, I, I i started and i failed three years in a row so at, the, at some point my parents told me look uh um, you're gonna, you know, start working. We can't just keep on having you at home and 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 not studying. And and I got hired as a as an intern for this insurance company. Um, and I had the feeling at the time they didn't really know where to put me. They just they just uh, took me as an intern, and they had to find a some some I mean some things to do. And they put me in a in a small uh, department where. Um, nobody really wanted to be there uh, because it was about triaging letters that were coming for for one division. And um, I was in that team of, I think, five people um, that were also kind of rejects of, of the company. Nobody really wanted to use these people, so they had to find somewhere to put them. And... Um, but it was at the very beginning where actually I, they had to set up the processes and try to learn on how to 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 put things together. And I got suddenly so passionate about uh, what needed to be done that I de facto became the leader of that team. Um, and then I think wow. that, yeah, that happened within a couple months. And then suddenly my boss came to me and said, look, we we can't keep you as an intern. Uh, with the job you're doing and so i thought i was gonna get fired actually um and i'm like so what what are you suggesting me and they said well we gotta offer you a full-time job that's paid like a regular employee and and um and so that was that was uh, the first surprise um and that showed me that by taking things at heart and 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 trying to understand better than the others what was to be done uh, mm. could could propel me to to do more interesting interesting things um and 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 actually worked five years for that company and and ended up being um uh the uh the the right hand of of one of the 
directors that was handling, I don't know, 150 or 200 people um, wow. very quickly. And um, yeah, so that, that was my first experience and, and showed me that you could become a leader by, by, by doing things, um, even if it seems hard from the outside, but when you're in it, as you said, it's the only choice. Like you're drawn to, to what you've chose to do and, and, uh, and that just, just carries on. I'm interested to know what was different between your law studies and stepping into this internship was, did you change in between those two roles or was there something about what was required in law versus what was required in this company where one really didn't suit you and and just wasn't a fit and the other was like a glove and just, you really found your feet. Yeah. So I think I, I did this, I started law because I thought it was interesting. And then I think if I look back now, maybe shortly after I, I realized that maybe it was, it wouldn't give me the opportunities I thought I would, I would want. Uh, But I just kept trying and, and until I really failed. And, um, and, uh, and then I had no other choice than, than finding a job and trying to start earning money. Uh, for a while before I could go back to studies or find what studies I could do uh, because I kind of needed a degree anyway. Um, But the fact of having to, I think it just puts you somewhere where you have to do something. It was the action that I I really was, uh, was missing in, in, in school or at university. And and once I got like on, on the field, um, I found it fascinating and, and uh, I just wanted to, to get things done. And I think that also is one thing that defines me. And sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's a bad thing. Um, when I'm handed with a problem, I just want to fix it. I want to get this done <laughs> so that we can move on to some, some other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, now, if you fast forward in your career, um, even uh, in between those, uh, what you were doing there and, and Arcana, uh, Arcanus or even all the way now to what you're doing, what have been yeah. uh, some of the most pivotal moments for you as a leader learning what it is to uh, to lead, you know, two or 300 people? What have been those real watershed moments, aha moments where it, it's really stuck with you around what to do or what not to do? Um. I think it's I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to to define one or two really big moments. I think it's really been a learning on a on a daily or weekly basis where um yeah, it's a difficult question where um it we grew, right? We grew the, the company from very, very small to, to, to where it is now. And so, so I yeah. think it's, it's first been to adapt to, to, to a different culture. And, and so it's very different leading people in Europe than, than leading people in, in Asia, for example. And so I think it's been really, that was first, I would think, the cultural shock. Of, of how to lead people in, in Asia. And then after that, it was more like different kinds of leadership um, 
as the company was growing and for each stage of the um, yeah each stage of the growth of the of the company we had to adapt the way we we would lead um we would lead the the teams and and our role would of course evolve also with with the size of the company and and the activities we would be we would be doing yeah i think that you've mentioned a lot of great things in there that i can see would be challenging as an entrepreneur you know you previously you led in other people's organizations now you and and yeah. your friend you start this on your own uh tell me yeah. a little bit about that journey tell our listeners about the <laughs> particularly for those leaders out there who might be considering starting something of their own, they've led high capacity even, but doing something of their own. How did you start Arcanus? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, so I was, I think I always had this entrepreneur, entrepreneurial will um, uh, for a long time, but I never really dared uh, or I never had the opportunity to to try anything when I was in Switzerland. So I was just, yeah, uh, leading things in, in other people's companies. Yes. And um, for many, many years, I would tell my, uh, my now uh, business partner, Alan, that I would come visit him in Hong Kong because he, he had a very successful company um, from 2002 to 2007 when he exited. Um, yes. and I would tell him many, many times, yeah, I'll come visit you. I'll come visit you. And, and I didn't really have time because I was working so much and I was studying uh, business then, uh, at that time. Uh, but after I finished my studies, I, I paid him a visit and, and, uh, to, in Hong Kong. And after a few days of, basically we were just hanging out. He, he, he wasn't working that much because he exited, but he was working on some, some ideas. He asked me if, if I wanted to join him um, in his venture, in his new venture that he recently had um, actually started. Um, and I think this was like the moment for me where, where I realized like this guy who had set up a really big business uh, before that exited with venture capital firms like Goldman Sachs and, and all for, for hundreds of millions of dollars, is asking me <laughs> to join him and work with him. So I'm like, of course, I'm going to take that opportunity and try, <laughs> try something less boring um, than I thought was, you know, uh, banking and, and, and insurance uh, in Switzerland. Yes. I, I felt no passion in what I was doing anymore. And, and so this came really at the right point. And so I joined him then. Um, Can I ask? Sorry to interrupt, but yes. what did he? Yeah. What did Alan? What did Alan see in you? If you think back to that invitation what was it that yeah. he saw in you and and how did you feel when he invited you coming when you felt so uh you know you'd, you'd really lost the passion for for what you were doing and you were obviously looking for something you tell i'd love to hear what what he saw in you and, and how it felt to have that invitation yeah so well um um so first, it completely surprised me because when I paid him a visit, it was just a, a friendly visit. Um, but I think what he saw in me was we had this long-standing relationship, and every every year when he would come back to Switzerland, we would spend time together. Um, and so I think the first thing is the loyalty. Um, yeah, the, the loyalty of of the friendship, and we always got really 
along really well. And he also knew, um, because I kept repeating this over the years, uh, that I, I kind of wanted to, to, to try something else than Switzerland. And, yes. and he, he just started this new business. And I think he maybe also felt a bit uh, lonely uh, in, in that venture. And, and so he's, he thought like, okay, I know Fred, he's, you know, he's a good guy. He knows my background. Um, and um, so I'm going to ask him if he wants to, to take the challenge. And it took me about 35 seconds um, to, to decide whether I wanted to, to, to come. And so I said yes. And three months later, I had sold everything I had in Switzerland and, and moved to, wow. to Hong Kong to, to work with Alan. Yeah. That's um, incredible. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, it was in, in, really incredible and unexpected. And uh, but I thought that was if I had missed that opportunity, um, uh, it, it would have. Yeah, I I wouldn't be, of course, where where I was, uh, where where I am today. And actually, the funny thing now, think about it. He asked me in two thousand and two if I wanted to to work with him and I had refused because I had just started my first job. Um, yeah. So I didn't join him at that time, but eight years later he asked me again and uh, that's when I joined. Wow. And and yeah. so what happened next? You moved to, you sold everything, you moved to Hong Kong. What was the next yeah. sort of step for, for, for you and Alan and for the company to, to take off? Yeah. So so he was running an e-commerce company or uh, that was buying and selling game accounts um from like world of warcraft and everquest and in these games and um so we were marketplace and buying and and selling these these game accounts and i think about nine months into our collaboration we heard about someone who wanted to sell a business in the same um industry that was located in the philippines and we were struggling with with the cost of of living in hong kong and the cost of uh, i mean the personnel and also it was very difficult for us to find software developers in hong kong sure. and when we heard about this opportunity in the philippines to to have a look at this small business and and maybe purchase it then we we looked at it and discovered that um, Filipinos have really great, great English skills, much better than we had in Hong Kong. And we were servicing mostly the U.S. market, so it was very important for us to have a good English level. Um, yeah. And and yeah, uh, a couple months down the, the road, we decided that we'd purchase this this business. And then um, I think a couple months after that, we decided that we would actually completely relocate all the operations from from Hong Kong to to the Philippines. Wow. This didn't really solve our business problems where the industry of the game the gaming industry was changing so the business model we had was not viable anymore. Sure. And uh, and I think in mid 2010 I just I just didn't see us continuing in this business and and I was actually scared because I'm like, okay, if this business is going under, um, then I have to go back to Switzerland because, you know, that's, uh, that, I mean, that's the end of the story. And yeah. we, we had one discussion one night at the pizzeria with, with Alan and I said, look, uh, we got to find something else to, to do because otherwise I'm, I'm going back to Switzerland and I don't want to. 
And mm. um, I think that same, very same night we, we discussed and we said, okay, let's, let's try to, to go into outsourcing. And the reason is that when we hired our first developers for that e-commerce business, a lot of our other entrepreneur friends were asking us about the talent in the Philippines for software developers. And so we were already trying to find developers uh, for our friends. Sure. Um, but had, hadn't really established officially Arcanis. But that mm. night we said, okay, this is that direction we're going to take. We're going into outsourcing. Um, and, and, um, and we can, I mean, Alan had this name in his mind uh, for many, many years. So he said, okay, my next business is going to be named Arcanis. So that's, that's how Arcanis kind of like, um, uh, is born. Um, and, and the, it was very easy for us to distribute the roles because it was just the two of us. Um, yeah. and when I asked who is going to do sales, Alan said, I'm doing operations. So I knew, I knew my job was to sell, uh, to sell uh, our services, and, and I had never sold anything uh, before. But wow, that's how it went. <laughs> what an incredible story! So it really came out of uh, a necessity to to pivot, and yeah. was yes. a problem that you had experienced, and that was part of the reason you were you were looking at this. You would you would um, looking at this business in the Philippines, and also. Um, having realizing it was something you were already doing for for sort of for friends who are entrepreneurs yeah yeah yes and uh, and when i was in the industry uh, the insurance industry i was on the other side of 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 that um um of that business i was a corporate buyer for for some time so yes i i was handling outsourcing uh contracts and i was looking at you know providers and everything so then it was simply for me to go on the other side and be on the sales side of things and, and try to, um, to develop something we knew from the inside, if you want. Um, so it, 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 it was kind of, I wouldn't say natural, but it was the continuation of, of what we, uh, I had done in the past and, and Alan knew as well because he had been setting up uh, software development teams for his own businesses prior to that as well. And so over the, I guess since then, I'm interested to know, there'd be a lot of leaders listening who are interested in scaling their, their businesses. Maybe they, uh, maybe they lead a business with a thousand people and they're wanting to scale, but there'd be a lot of leaders who are, who are small business with five people, a business with 50 people, a business with a hundred people. As you've grown, what have you found uh, what sort of ceiling of number of staff did you find most challenging to break through in the past decade? Um, yeah, I think it was it was maybe around around fifty. Um, but we had several stages where we felt like we we were stagnating. Um, uh, so it was maybe at twenty, and then it became fifty. Um, where we had to kind of consolidate. And then yeah. we, when we grew to more than 100, we also had to completely review how we were, um, how the business was structured in terms of the hierarchy between, I mean, in, in the production team. So we had to, sure. to do, I mean, really big changes. We kind of got rid of all the middle managers and, and people mm -hmm. who were... Um, 
who had the potential to create politics. Um, yeah. And so we we tried to flatten the the model. I mean the I mean the organization. Yeah, interesting. So you got rid of a lot of those middle managers and any opportunities that you thought that could create politics. You got rid of those and really flattened the model. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. Um, and, uh, and so for, I guess, since then, what would be your advice to leaders out there about, apart from maybe doing that in terms of flattening the model, do you have any other advice for, for leaders on how to scale? If you could, if you could only sort of say one or two things to a leader who's at that 50 staff level, what advice would you give them about how to scale to the next level? Um, well, my question is, what um, in what area? Because um, I mean, I'm mostly focused right on on the I would say on the sales and marketing part of the of the business. So I have to generate new new business, yeah. um, and then um, Alan is more like in 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 the organization part of things, and um, so there's the there's the problem keeping uh, to keep on growing the business and 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 keeping on yeah getting new business new business in with scaling the sales and development team as uh, sales and marketing team and then on the other side there's the challenge of um of scaling all these production teams where we have to i mean look into scaling the recruitment teams we have to look at, at scaling the, the everything that's linked to training um yeah. everything that's linked to um quality assurance, coaching, project management. Uh, so it's like we have to upgrade each and every division um, kind of at the same time. So it's like, I don't know what, uh, what advice to, to, uh, to actually uh, uh, give um, besides the fact that um, it's, it's, a, it's a balancing act between all the parties in the company to make sure that you don't scale one too much compared to the other one, because then you're creating bottlenecks. Um, and yeah. we had actually some bottlenecks where sometimes uh, the sales were struggling. So we were yes. struggling to, to sell enough. And, um, and then we had a lot of um, developers that we kept on hiring that were on the bench. So it was missed opportunities. And yes. at some other periods of time, which, for example, happened last year, um, we were struggling to hire people um, because we had made some changes in the in the sales and marketing that were working a lot better. Yes. Um, so we we were missing opportunities as well because we weren't able to find developers for our for our clients. Yeah. So, well. <laughs> so yeah, I, my, my advice would be to to make sure that you're always balancing um, all the departments that could play together. Yeah, that's great advice, Fred. And avoiding avoiding bottlenecks, and or if you identify a bottleneck, trying to clear it out as as quickly as possible, and try to right. try to build things in a balanced approach. Um, wonderful to to learn a bit of the story, your story, and uh, uh you know, and the business. Uh, let's let's do Leadership Express. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, firstly, what's a book that you've gifted to other people? Um, from Good to Great. Yes. And 
principles um, by Ray Dalio. Yeah. Oh, two brilliant recommendations. Uh, any podcasts or any other sources that you're reading, watching, listening to at the moment? Yeah. So um, in terms of the podcast, I'm a big fan of podcasts. Um, and um, I have a few that I really enjoy. So one is really marketing um, oriented is, is demand state of demand jam uh, by a guy called Chris Walker. So it's like really, I would say, I would say radical ideas about, about demand generation in terms of marketing. Yeah. Um, and there's a few others that I listen. Um, for example, one that is, I'm just, uh, chasing excellence, uh, with Ben Bergeron. And so this is mostly, I would say, CrossFit focused because I'm I, I do a lot of CrossFit, yeah. Um, and I think CrossFit is kind of like a summary of of life. And um, this guy Ben Bergeron is actually a trainer of of athletes that won multiple times uh, the the CrossFit Games and has so many good. Um, I mean, so so many good ideas on on how to manage yourself, on how to grow, and and also on the mindset of of being an athlete. But being an entrepreneur is also being an athlete in a way. So yeah. there's a lot of parallels um, uh, between uh, between between for me CrossFit and and uh, running a business. Yeah, that's a great. They're they're great recommendations. Uh, so, what is a great piece of advice you've received? From someone at any point in your life could be leadership related doesn't have to be oh wow um <laughs> wow i don't have any uh i could think of on top of my hand right now um, <laughs> and it's always hard to i remember for me yeah. while you think i remember chatting with um when i was looking at two jobs and uh one of them was a really uh, you know, it was working with a startup. It was a bit hard to define. It was going to be really trying to monetize an idea with someone. And, and this was earlier in my career. And the other job was a really safe account management job with a big, um, it was actually with Wrigley's, the gum company here in Australia. And, yeah. uh, and I remember sitting down with a mentor of mine, a guy named, uh, Lindsay Bettinson. And, uh, and I said to him, here's the two jobs. I, I don't know which one I should, uh, I should consider the other job. One was Wrigley's. The other job was a, a startup called the Urban List that now is is quite well known in Australia in uh, you know food and and uh, curated lists of food and and art and different places like that. So I remember he just looked at me and he said, he said the the thing about Wrigley's, Jono, is I just don't know if that's you. You know that that like yes, it does make sense in some ways, but. That idea of that safe account management job for you, he just looked at me and said, I just don't know if that's you. And it was so tempting to take that job, but I remember that advice around actually looking at the jobs and going, which fits me better and realizing how entrepreneurial I am. And I ended up loving my time at the Urban List. Um, so that's that's one that uh, that comes to mind for me. Has anything come to mind? Um. Yeah, I'm, I think it's when I was, uh, uh, I studied business um, after I've, I filled my law degrees and started my internship and then and then uh, started for this insurance company. And at the same time, I, I was studying business um, in another school. And, and I think one of, we had these, um, these teachers, they were like the, 
business um, or these entrepreneurship teachers actually. And, and I think they were always repeating that um, we, we got to grab opportunities when they come. And, um, and so that's what I think has shaped the way I've decided to, for example, start, I mean, accept Alan's offer uh, is like, I felt, okay, this was something I, I, I couldn't miss. And, and it still applies today with, with uh, everything we do in terms of, um, I mean, the clients that we see, of course, but more recently, we are doing a lot of investment in startups um, with what we call Arcanis Ventures. And so it, we are looking at many, many, many opportunities on a, on a daily uh, or weekly basis, and we just have to um, to pick which one we, we're going to, to take and make sure we don't miss it. Yeah, I love that. That's great. That's great advice. Uh, any movies or TV shows that really impacted you? Um, wow. Uh, um, it doesn't have to well, be leadership okay. related. I know it's, yeah. it's funny, but for me, I remember, uh, watching the musical La La Land, <laughs> which, yeah. and I yeah, remember yeah. just the story around stepping out. It's actually just like, it's a bit of a, a bit of a tragic story in some ways, but there was something about that idea of the characters stepping out and just going for it that for me was uh yeah just i can't remember if it was around the time um i can't remember what was happening around the time but i found it really inspirational and it just i just walked out of that cinema i watched it in the movies and just really walked out just pumped to grow clarity so yeah i don't know any anything come to mind for you fred yeah uh it's most uh, like a um uh how do you call that um do, do you know largo winch Lago winch not off the top it's, of my head okay it's um it's it's a, a comic a belgian comic book and it's it's yeah. um a series of 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 comic books for um picturing a a the son of a of a very wealthy man that inherits the business of his dad and and so he has to fix uh plenty of problems to to actually um um, keep on 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 uh, the business and going and and I was just always every time a new a new uh, chapter would come out I'd be super excited because um, it was about business it was about this guy traveling the world to I mean grow the business and and yeah uh, and and grow as a person as well so I, I would say um, I like the yeah I like this one. Yeah, I love that's a wonderful recommendation. That's thank you for sharing that. That's fantastic. Um, well, uh, for those who are really interested in what you do and and maybe in you and and who you are, how can people uh, find you online, Twitter or LinkedIn, and 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 for the company, how can they find you online, Fred? Yeah, so I think mostly LinkedIn for both. Um, so my LinkedIn is Frederick Joy. Um, and and for the company Arcanis uh, as well on on LinkedIn we we publish uh, a lot of stuff uh, on there, and we I also have a podcast called uh, Smarter Outsourcing, where mm-hmm. we actually discuss about mostly questions around software development outsourcing or remote team management, um, how to choose your provider or uh, questions about, yeah, managing developers and and, uh, legal issues and things like that. 
Yeah, fantastic. That's that's great. Uh, well, I just want to thank our listeners for tuning in. It's been a, another excellent episode. Don't forget you can uh, find me uh, on a couple of other podcasts, the John O'White Leadership Podcast, where I give tips around uh, well-being and, and a bunch of other things, and also uh, Leadership Question of the Day, a different question every day to grow your leadership. Uh, but I want to finish today by saying a massive um, thank you to Fred for coming on, for sharing your story and the story of your company. It's been a joy to learn about both, and uh, and I think thank listeners are really going to enjoy it. So thank you so much, Fred. Thank you as well. It's been really a pleasure uh, being on the show. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57 page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage consultclarity.org right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, Jono White, 
or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.